0: Hey, it's an honor to be here, fired up about being a part of this series, Greatest Show on the Earth, and you've got all the things happening with the kids. It's going to be a lot of fun, but I want to take a few moments today and talk to you what I really believe is, is about the greatest show, but really Jesus taught and he gave us the greatest title that you and I would ever have as a believer or a person. You know, there, there's a diversity in this room. There's, you have a different skill set. All of us are unique in the way that God made us. But it's interesting that even in all of our uniqueness, there's something that at the end of our life, there's something as it relates to a reward of heaven. If we cross over to the other side and we believe in Christ and we see him, there's something he's going to refer to us as, which brings a common thing to all of us. And Jesus, when he sees us, he doesn't see us and say, hey, what's going on, banker? Hey, what's going on, homemaker? Hey, what's going on, student? Jesus refers to us as a faithful servant. The highest thing that you can achieve in the kingdom of God is to be called a faithful servant. He even says this in Matthew chapter 23, just a small verse. The greatest among you will be the one that serves. Jesus says that. The greatest among you will be your servant. Your servant. As we think about the greatest show on the earth, the greatest thing that you and I can do in the kingdom of God is do everything we can to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, to understand servanthood. What does it mean to be a servant leader? What does it mean to be a servant parent? What does it mean to be a servant husband? What does it mean to be a servant in the house of God? That Jesus says that if you're looking for greatness and you want the rich things of the kingdom, you want the blessing of the kingdom, you really want my smile upon you, then seek to be a servant. Nothing more, nothing less, a servant. So I wanna talk about that for a few minutes. Father, we love you. Thank you for this great church. We thank you for our pastors, their integrity. Thank you for how you're using them around the globe. This church is such a model. Now as it reaches out to another campus, God, what a God idea. And Lord, thank you that we can be a part of that. We can share in the dream. We can sacrifice to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, I just pray you'd speak to us for a few minutes and help us to have a heart of a servant. A heart of a servant. Lord, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, and everybody said a good amen do want you turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad you made it to church. Now look at the person that was your second choice and tell them, you look like you need a little church. Your second choice. I think one of the coolest things about today is you're going to get an opportunity at the close of our time. Pastor's going to come in a few minutes and give you an opportunity to receive Christ. And then every person in here is going to be confronted with the opportunity to serve. That's what we're talking about. I didn't know all this was linking together. But this whole idea of which ministry fits you, where you're able to fill out and get connected, whether it's at this campus or the Midwest City campus. And I, I just want you to keep that close to you because I believe some things we'll talk about, God's going to spark some things in our hearts to, to realize that, that the greatness of the kingdom is when we begin to get outside of ourselves and begin to serve others. Now, I was not raised in church. My dad was a Catholic. My mother was a Baptist. We would go to church every once in a while, But then I came to Christ through outreach. I came to Christ because the church decided to reach outside the walls of their church and begin to serve people in creative ways like you do here in this church. And so uh, God did a work in my life because somebody decided to be faithful in the house and from the house. I want you to hear that. Faithful in the house and then from the house. So I came to Christ June the 21st, 1982. and, And I got plugged into the local church immediately. Three best decisions I ever made in my life. The first one was when I said yes to Jesus Christ. And I bowed my knee and confessed him as my Lord and Savior at 18 years old. Second best decision was when I decided to ask Delinda to marry me. And I, I fell in love with her before she fell in love with me. So it was a little bit of a chance. And I just kind of hinted around, hinted around. How many you knows you don't want to tell somebody you love them and they still like you? You know what I'm talking about? That's no fun. I love you, girl. I love you, girl. Well, I like you too. That's not a good night, my brother. That's not a good day. It's not a good sign. Back the train up. And, uh, and so she, I fell in love with her. was so in love with her. And then finally she said yes. And that totally changed our life is, is the covenant that we made. The third best decision was when I decided to get planted and serve in the local church. When I planted myself in God's house and served. And I loved the first church that I got involved with. It was a small church, storefront in a beach community, and I just started going there. It was about 50 people who went to this church, and and I I fell in love with my pastor. He was just a great man of God, loved God. He was a little old school and just would get a little fired up and preach a long time and just preach on. He'd say, I'm going to preach on. You ain't got to tell me to preach on. Preach on, preacher. I plan on it. And so he just would preach a long time. And again, there's just a few of us, and we'd preach an hour, sometimes preach two Two hours. Sometimes you feel like he was going to land the plane. He'd take it around the runway one more time, and you're like, "Man, I thought we were going to get to Bojangles, get me some chicken, or go to Piccadilly, something." He'd go on one more time, preach on another hour, and so. But I loved him. He was a good man, a godly man. He's old school. He said, "Let me tell you something. If you don't like it, you can leave. Don't let the door hit you in the backside." There's five people sitting waiting on your seat outside when you walk out of church. Five people go take your seat. Where are they at? Oh, can they come on in now? I mean, I mean, he just went old school. We want to kick you out every week. <laughs> he preached one time about getting involved, about lending your life, giving your life for others, 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 in a world that is very me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. Me, my he preached on others, serving others. And he talked about how there were very many needs in the church that he was trying to get people to connect to so that we could reach more people. So after that service, I met him and said, Pastor, I want to be used by God. I, I want to do that. I was 19 years old. I, I want to I want I want God to use me. I want to I want to be used in this this thing called church. And matter of fact, I'd like to do what you're doing. I love to preach and you know maybe we get out here earlier and get some lunch or something. But you know, I think I could do it quicker and just you know, and I remember he looked at me, just a gracious man and said, if you want to be used by God, you meet me Saturday at five in the morning. I thought, well, there's no church at Saturday at five in the morning. He said, if you don't show up at Saturday five in the morning, don't come back to this church. Go and leave. Go and leave right now. <laughs> I, I met him Saturday at five o'clock in the morning and he opened up a door and there were five ladies in there praying. He said, I need you in this prayer meeting for the next six months. That's where I need you to serve. I did not ask to go to prayer meeting. Not, I, 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 that was not my spiritual gift. That was not my kind of my flow. But that's where he needed me. I said, "Okay, Pastor." He said, "Now six months. If you miss one, don't come back to this church." I went to prayer for six months with these senior adult ladies, and they were like senior, senior, way been been senior a while. They would pray, boy, they pr- fervent prayer, Pastor, fervent prayer it would start praying. He'd squeeze my hand. He'd want to hold hands for like two hours. He'd squeeze my hand. I'd be like, girl, you want some? <laughs> At the end of every prayer meeting, 8, 9 o'clock, they'd bring a chair. Okay, we need, to, we need to pray for somebody. I mean, it's me and five women. They'd put a chair in the middle of the room. Okay, who needs prayer today? <laughs> I guess it's me. I'm like, y'all ain't sinning in like a decade. I guarantee it's me. They would pray, shake my shoulder, rub my head, lift my arms. I would confess the things I'd not even done. Quit rubbing my head. Then my pastor came to me after six months and said, do you still want to be used by God? I don't know. See, my pastor knew something that I didn't know. My pastor knew that if I did not learn to serve in secret, come on somebody, if I didn't learn how to serve when nobody was looking, how could I ever serve under the visible eye of man? I didn't know that, but my pastor knew that. I was too young. I was too full of myself. I was too about me, myself, and I. My pastor knew that. Then he said, well, then I'll tell you what, I I need you to now do something else. What do you need me to do, Pastor? He said, I need you to vacuum this church for the next six months. Be here at 9 o'clock on Saturday. take you about two hours. He said, if you don't show up, don't come back to this church again. (laughs) For six months, I vacuumed that church. Every Saturday, vacuumed that church. I didn't sign up for vacuum ministry. He needed somebody to vacuum that church. I vacuumed that ministry. I vacuumed that church. I vacuumed that church. And my pastor would tell me, Dino, if you could get lines in the carpet, boy, I feel the anointing. Okay, we'll do it. If we get us out of here early, get you lines in the carpet. I started caring and caring about things and noticing things. I'd leave church and there'd be some toddlers in the back with a mama. and be eating goldfish all on the carpet. Y'all got to drag that up on out the house of God. Don't be eating goldfish in here. Somebody got to clean it up. Don't bring that in here. See, my pastor knew something I didn't know. My pastor knew that if I was not faithful in the little, if I couldn't cherish the small, what everybody else thinks is not important, that if I couldn't embrace that and be faithful in the pain and be faithful in the commitment and be faithful when nobody was looking how could I ever be faithful with something larger in the kingdom he knew it I didn't know it after a year my pastor came to me and said son I think you're ready to preach I said man about time he said you gonna preach this Sunday he said now here's the deal go get you a new Bible get you a big Bible and go get you a suit. Don't wear them shorts in that tank top. Get you a suit with a tie. Get you a brand new suit. You preach next Sunday. But I got fired up. This is about 1984, 1985, and kind of. This is kind of. You know, your, 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 you know, kind of your, your. Um, uh, we we had a store called an Oak Tree. It was bad. But I went in there, man. I I picked me out a suit. It was like a short double-breasted jacket. Short. About 15 pleats. Bought me some purple shoes. This suit was lavender. It was bad. I was like, what's up? My purple suit, boy, ain't nothing wrong with some Stacy Adams. Don't be hating on my Stacy Adams. Don't hate on me. But I never forget. I got dressed, went to church that morning, my lavender suit, my purple shoes. Walked up in the house of God, had my Bible on tomorrow, ready to preach. I walked in church. My pastor was waiting on me. I walked in. He looked at me and said, son, you look like a grape. (laughs) He said, come on with me. We went right past the pulpit. I was like, well, I thought that's where we kind of did our deal. No, you come with me. Went all the way back, pastor, all the way back, like into the deep, dark belly of the church. There was a little Sunday school room with 9, 10, 11, with, with, with chairs, about 9 chairs in it, metal chairs. He said, here's what I want you to do. He said, in a few minutes, there's going to be some 9, 10, 11-year-old boys that are going to come in here. I need you to preach to them for the next 52 Sundays. And if you miss one, don't come back to this church again. Go on and leave right now if you can't do all of them. I mean, old school. I 52 weeks. Do you have a lesson? Do you have curriculum? Is there a book, is there a video series? No, just you. Use that graph. It was a flannel board, he's called a flannel graph board with like Noah and like a fence and like a red heifer and like Adam and like an ark. Didn't even match. He's like, just use all that. It's all the money we got. Just it's all in the Bible. Walked out. 52 Sundays, I preached to these nine, 10, year old boys. They were in the, I'd be preaching. They were fighting each other. They, I heard scooting of metal chairs in my sleep, <laughs> busting each other in the head. I'm preaching and teaching about Abraham on the ark as he goes into Jerusalem, and Jesus turns them all into giraffes, and it's an amazing thing. And, and they're like, I, I don't think that's in the Bible. I was like, this is all they gave me. Work with me. Y'all going to hell anyway. It's all they gave me. See, my pastor knew something I didn't know. See, I really thought it was about me. I thought it was about my gift and my visibility and what I could do. My pastor knew that if I didn't understand that the kingdom of God, that God's way is servanthood, that nothing in my life would never work. He knew that if I didn't understand that greatness is found in serving, I would never have a decent marriage. Because if you can't serve, you don't have a good marriage. I would never be a decent dad. How could I ever raise my little 17-year-old girl, my 15-year-old boy, my 10-year-old daughter right now if I didn't understand the heart to serve? I would never be a... How could I ever pastor people if I thought that it was all about me? How could I make a difference in the community? How could I serve the poor? How could I help the addict? How could I be there for people that feel left out and unwanted and unloved? How could I ever make a difference in their lives if I didn't understand that greatness in the kingdom of God is in serving? This is found so amazing in Matthew chapter 15. I just want you to see this scripture. It's one of my favorite scenes in the life of Jesus. Jesus is teaching and it says that he goes up on a mountain Verse 29, and he sits down, and I love what happens here. Great crowds of people come to him. They bring with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. So they show up, and they bring people with them. And the Bible says that they lay them at his feet, right at his feet. And here's how Jesus responded. He healed them. He made them well. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking. The crippled made well. The lame walking. The blind seeing. They all praised the God of Israel. And this went on for three days. A three-day meeting of everything you could imagine being helped and healed at the feet of Jesus. There's two things I love about this. Here's the first thing. I love how Jesus feels comfortable with all kinds of people. God, give us a heart for people different than us. Help us not to just love people like us. I believe People's Church is an example of a church that will love all kinds of people. That's my prayer for you, is that you will love all and feel. And I love how Jesus just feels comfortable on all kinds of people. He just loves it. He's right in the center, and it's like people are everywhere. Every problem, every issue, every trial, every pain, every heart, every need you could imagine, and they're all at the feet of Jesus. And the second thing I love about it, he just he just has a front row seat on hurting humanity. You know what my prayers. My prayer is that God puts people's church on the front row of hurting humanity in this region. You're right on the front row. Helping those struggling with addictive behaviors. Helping them struggling with abuse in their past, pain in their life, value issues, families falling apart, marriages that are in crucial moments, next generation that has questions. I just pray that God would put you right there on the front row of it. Where well, you can serve them. You know what I love about this? This is a great meeting. Three days, the disciples are kind of wrapping things up, and Jesus says to them, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! Before you put all that up, remember, we're not done yet." And he looks over and says, in verse thirty-two, to his disciples, "I have compassion for these people." Well, of course you do. You've you've healed everything. There's not a cold on the mountain. You've healed everything, but he says, "I have compassion." There's another another level of compassion. He says, "I have compassion on these people." They've been with me three days and have nothing to eat. That's tangible, physical need. They have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry. They'll collapse on the way. Now, if I was a disciple, I would probably say, "With Jesus, you've healed them. Isn't that enough? And Jesus says, nope, that's not enough. We're not done yet. See, so often in our walk with God, we feel like we've done enough. I've given enough. I mean, I gave to the crazy, and now I'm giving to the dream. I mean, didn't I haven't I served here at this campus and now we're going to another campus? I mean, haven't I done enough? Haven't we done enough? And can't we just stop? And can I tell you this? In the kingdom of God, you only stop when you're dead. While you have breath, Jesus challenges us. There's always somebody else, there's always another family. There's always another young person. There's always another community. There's always another offering. There's always somebody else to build life into. There's somebody else to reach. There's somebody else to serve. The disciples were tidying up, finishing up this thing. And Jesus looked at them and says, You think you're done, but you're not done. You know my prayer for you? Is that your best days of serving are ahead of you. You've served a lot to see God do this. What an amazing church. You've given a lot. You've reached a lot. You've sacrificed a lot. But you know what? I believe your best days are ahead of you. I believe your best days are ahead of you. I want to finish with this, giving you this one thought. Always remember, servanthood for the cause of Christ is a lifelong adventure. Lifelong adventure. You never arrive. You keep serving and loving and caring and giving just when you think you're done the Lord would say to you you're not done yet you know we went through a lot as a state after Hurricane Katrina I know for so many you know that's so far removed but for us as a state uh, we're still ministering to people who suffered through that it's amazing Terry Frank who's with me one of our, our young preachers he um, was there this week with a group went into New Orleans and he told me today, he said, there were some places that looked like the hurricane was yesterday. This is five and a half years later. There's still neighborhoods that look like the water went down a week ago. I and mean, it's amazing how we've struggled through things as a state and as a New Orleans city. It's just been a little crazy. And I could remember during that time when the hurricane came to in the Gulf region and, and the, the change that it made in our city and our church and, There would be days in those early days that we would wake up and there'd be 2,000 people on our property, just like this, that would show up at church and need medical care because they left all the prescriptions in New Orleans. Now they're in Baton Rouge, they've been displaced. There'd be thousands of people standing in line trying to find their loved ones because they got on one plane and they got on another bus. I mean, there was every type of imaginable need you could imagine. I don't have my social security card, I can't get my prescriptions. Where are my food stamps? How am I going to be taken care of? Medical help, food, babies. I mean, they lost everything. They just left and lost everything. There were days that we were, I remember one day we woke up, 7,000 people on our campus and we fed them. We fed 45,000 meals the first week. We cooked 45,000 meals. Amen. Just in our church, we have a, a group that cooks. And, and, and I mean, we put 900 people in our campuses to stay there. That was their home. Our campuses became their home. I can remember during that time, we were exhausted, Pastor Herbert, as a staff. we just working, giving. their six in the morning. Some people never even went home. There were two or three weeks. I do not even see my family. Just there meeting needs and tragedies. They would drive buses up, and we just empty them off on our church property and drive off. You know where you, know where you go. You know what to do. And, and one of those days, we were exhausted as a staff. We had so many people serving, thousands of people serving. One night when I came out of my office, it was about, one, about probably about one in the morning, I was so tired, and I, I shut down the office, and I was driving off our property. We have a big piece of campus like this, and, and I saw where we had a drive-through we made a drive through relief where you could drive up in your car and get diapers and formula and clothing and find out instructions on where to go next and how to keep moving on with your life and just were serving people. And so this whole parking lot, probably twice the size of this room, was, was that area. And so I went out there and there were three people there, a woman and two guys that were, had been working all day long and were doing shift work at 5 in that morning. They were going to work. So they said, we're going to go get something to eat and go on to work. I mean, it's volunteer. I remember they were cleaning up. I said, hey, thank you so much for serving. Thank you for, for all that you're doing. We, we so value that. And I, I left. As I was pulling out of the church parking lot, there was a Honda Accord that was circling our front building. And I remember it because it had one headlight. And I noticed it. And I thought, wow. And in my heart, I thought, there's another person who needs more help. But we're closed. And we had become a distribution center. And we were exhausted. And they were up. I just pulled on out and said, well, we'll, we'll help them tomorrow. They'll find somewhere else. So I pulled down and started going down. To our house, um, the Holy Spirit showed up in my car. How many of the Holy Spirit will mess with you? Get you right out of your little comfort zone. Come against every excuse you can imagine. And I remember the Holy Spirit said one thing to me. How would you like if I never sent you another person? Would you be happy then? you can put it like that. drove on down there mad, you know, hey, 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 waved them down, they were just sitting there. And I said, hey, can I, can I hey, listen, we're closed, but um, I'll open up the church and you can use the restroom and get some water, but we're closed and, you, and we'll help you tomorrow. They got, they parked their car, nine people in the Honda Accord, three adults, six children. He gets out, first thing he says to him, he says, thank you so much Um, He says, we've been in the water 11 days. 11 days. This family. This precious family in the water. They get out. They smell. I've been to Cambodia. I've been to the AIDS camps in Mozambique. I've never smelled anything like this. The last one out was a two-year-old toddler. Filthy. Dirtiest child I've ever seen in my life. Anywhere I've been, that was their dirtiest child. Matted hair. Filth all over it. One naked, all I had on was a diaper that was about down to here. And it walked by me. And it stunned my heart. I thought, wow, in America? In America? They went to the restroom and the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart and say, I thought you wanted to be a servant. I thought you wanted to care for people. I thought you stood up in that pulpit and talked about the poor and the lonely and the hurting, and you gonna send them away? That going, You think you're done? Boy, I felt so convicted. I knew I'd been selfish. They came out of the bathroom. I said, sir, please forgive me. Can we help you? Let's go to the back and let's get you some clothes and get these kids cleaned up. We went back to the back. Here's the funny part. The three people were getting in the car. I remember two guys going to shift work at 5 o'clock. Mama, she's been there serving all day, got kids. I said, excuse me, y'all, I'm so sorry, but I've got another family that showed up on property, and they really need help. Is there any way you guys can serve them? Here's their response. Oh, glory to God. We were praying for one more family. Okay, I'm a heathen. Can you now be the pastor? I resign. i like, yeah, oh, God. Well, we get those people around. We fed them. We got them clothing. Probably for an hour, hour and a half. Image of Katrina. I'm on my knees with wipes. Wiping down a two-year-old toddler on our property. In the United States of America. We got them all cleaned up. Baby powdered them up. Getting in the car about 2 30. Family gets in, last one, it is the two-year-old toddler. Got his hair combed out, clean, smells like decedent. Come on, somebody. Ain't nothing like a good decedent smell. He walks by me in a onesie and a tight diaper. They drove off, I sat in that parking lot that night. I don't know if we've ever been to a good church. I don't know if we've ever pleased the Lord, but we did that night. Because we served the least and the lonely. That, my friend, is the greatest thing you can give yourself to. Jesus calls us servants. Nothing more, nothing less. You ought to join that adventure today. Let's pray. Father, we love you.